What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Um, so, like, the comment section was an idea that I had um, last season where we often get responses either via social media or we get people texting us after an episode um, that our friends that listen to the show uh, and there's always a question or I want I wish I wish I could have asked this and you could have answered that while I was listening this is what I was thinking about or just responses from like I said social media of people what they gather when they listen or when they watch a clip or whatever, what were their thoughts from it? And so I had the idea to add in a segment called the comment section where we address some of those things or we're able to, you know, create the dialogue from what you're talking about when you listen or um, some of the things that you want to talk about. And so uh, we decided that we were going to end. We, we, we didn't know when we were going to shoot this, <laughs> right. but we always wanted to do an episode that would be catered toward that, like the comment section, questions we've been asked over this season, um, comments that have come across in the form of a question or stuff like that, DMs, text messages, phone calls of conversations that have derived from an episode. Or, or a topic that we've talked about. And so that's what we said, yo, let's let's end the season with a full out comment section episode. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. What's going on, everybody? With your host Malcolm and Brittany Garrison. And you're listening to Let's Talk About It. Let's Talk About It is a space where we unpack life's transitions and their effects on millennials. As entrepreneurs and millennial parents, we've navigated a lot of life transitions. And we're here to share those experiences with you while challenging perspectives and engaging in open dialogue. Y'all ready? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. I'm going to read the first one. All right, bet. You got your good reading reading voice on? <laughs> you know Sometimes you be right. reading in the beginning. I do not be hooked on finance at all. <laughs> not hooked on finance. I'm very well educated. Thank you. Doesn't mean that you don't slip and fall on your words sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I think we all do. Yes. All right, somebody did ask, though. My partner and I are experiencing a mismatch in our sex drives. Mm. How do we navigate the, this difference and maintain a fulfilling sexual relationship? I feel like that is nature. Okay. And men and women genu- generally have different sex drives. And I think the communication around it is always what the issue is. And maybe not necessarily the communication because I think communication happens. It's having the right language to communicate effectively what that looks like for you. Mm -hmm. So like to say that we have a mismatch in our sex drives means that one of us wants it more than the other. Yeah. One of us may be initiating more than the other. And so my response to that is like, what conversations are being had around it and typically if it let's say um because we don't know who is writing these um well we do know but it's kind of still supposed to be anonymous so we don't know if it's a he or her that's writing this and so the my question would be like let's say in this scenario it's a woman and she's saying that 
her man has a higher sex drive than she does. Typically, and we talked about this um, in the his knees, her knees episode, as well as the five sex needs for men and women, how men often, when it comes to sex, your response is always, I just need it. I need more of it. You don't understand. I got a high testosterone level. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, that doesn't mean anything to us because we don't understand what I just do means. Yeah, And so I think it's not necessarily communicating about it because typically that's the conversation. It's just we never get anywhere with it because I don't know, like we don't have the proper language to articulate effectively what I need to get there. Yeah, I think I think they have to identify what the mismatch is, because how I can see it is maybe maybe one one does have a higher sex drive than the other. Let's, let's say that he has a higher sex drive than her. Okay. And we know this is biological, you know, at this point. But what if he's really trying to communicate that I feel like I'm not wanted as much as I want you? I mean, how did that make you feel? Like I know we had that conversation in our premarital counseling and you were you said something similar. So I guess, you know, now that we have a basis of a perhaps scenario, mm-hmm. how when you felt like I don't feel like you want me like I want you. Like, what was that like in your mind? Because I guess now come from the perspective of being that person before. I think it was a constant mental battle of like, am I, am I like, am I putting myself out there, but she's not reciprocating? Like, is it me mm-hmm. or is it something that, you know, I'm not doing? Mm-hmm. It's it's a, now, now you start to think of inadequacies, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And if it's directed towards you. Mm-hmm. And like, am I doing something wrong? Have I done something? Am I not desirable to her? And then it also gets exhausting on his on his end because he's like he he's constantly pursuing you, but it's not. It doesn't feel like it's being reciprocated, and that's really what men want. They want mm-hmm. that reciprocation. We want uh, women to, to to become more aggressive, and I think women do struggle with with being the aggressor. Mm-hmm. In that, in that, in that sense, and not to say that we always want somebody to, you know, be rip the your clothes off. You know what I'm saying? It's like when you text your man nine one one, and like you come out the bathroom and he already naked, and it's like, how did you even get naked when I just texted you two seconds ago? <laughs> <laughs> right, but it's like yes, yeah. We, but we want we want women to be more honest in that in that mm-hmm. sense. Like if and you say want I it, want you say to. you want. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And say you want me too. We want to be desired too. Mm-hmm. We want to be wanted too. Just like women do, mm-hmm. and the thing is, if we stop, then y'all start to y'all start to feel the same way. Y'all start to blame yourself, or you start blaming us more than we get a whole bunch of shit. Like you, don't, <laughs> you don't like me now. You don't do this in the third, and it's like, no, it's not that. Mm-hmm. But I think I think they they have to identify what is the mismatch. What is he not communicating? What is she not communicating? Yeah, but I think I think typically. The conversation is also around like when a man wants sex, it's like you, I don't want to call it aggressive, but like you come on to her mm-hmm. and when you come on to her, it's like in a way that doesn't meet the need of what she's looking for. Like, give me the, you look beautiful today. Give me the, you know, I've been thinking about you all day. Bring me home flour, like clean the damn kitchen. You know, mm-hmm. you know, take some things off my plate to where I only want to please you. Or, you know, for some people, it's it's paying the bills. You know what I mean? For some people, that's what does it for them. Like some for some individuals, it's keeping your word. For so it's like 
I think it's also having those conversations around what does do that for you um, from him to her and for her to be able to say like, you know, because we've had that conversation here on the podcast. We have that conversation at home and saying like for me in the space that I am in today, there's my mind is just on so many things at a time that when you take things off my plate that I no longer have to think about, you no longer have to ask for sex. Yeah. It's a give and take. Situation. It is. And I think depending on their dynamic, you don't know. We don't know if they have children. We don't know, um, you know, what their work life balance is, et cetera, stuff like that. But when you start to think about those things, those are some ways I know. Cause um, I remember after we had the, his knees, her knees episode and the five sex needs episode, I had a lot of my friends that are wives that were like, I had to sit here with my husband because he's saying the same stuff Malcolm is saying. And I'm like, and I bet you say the same stuff I'm saying. Right. So here we are with the opportunity to communicate and converse past this moment to say, okay, based off of what I've now learned, this is what I need. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah. Having that real come to Jesus moment. And then just do it, you know? Because I think the other thing is like for women. Yeah, sometimes you get into your head or like like for women it's like if you feel awkward initiating sex, which I think a lot of women do. Which is fact for mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. of us, mm-hmm. you know, especially you if you grew it. up sheltered and all that kind of stuff like that. Sometimes it's just about doing it. Like I don't always mentally sometimes for me now, mm-hmm. it's like when was the la- I asked myself like when was the last time you did? And so if I know that I can figure out that time and it has been a while, then today just might be that day. You know what I'm saying? Like the other night I was tired as jacks, but I'm like, you know what? Come holler at me on halftime, <laughs> but make it quick. Like you need to come quickly and come quickly. <laughs> okay. You need to get here fast. Because, no, <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying no, I didn't mean like that, but no, like, like come to the room like soon because I'm tired as well. So I also let you know, like, you know, cause that's one of the excuses. Like I'm too tired. So mm-hmm. I'm letting you know, this is the state that I'm in right now. I am exhausted. I've had a long day. I want to go to bed. However, if this is something that you want, you just need to, I said, run, don't walk. <laughs> that is what the master said. By the time I even finished texting it, he was already in there naked. Like I said, <laughs> hey, yo, I can't, I cannot with you, yo. <laughs> but I think it's, it's we talk, we've been talking a lot about in our household like self accountability, and so yeah. I can't just say, you know, like, oh, my husband should be the only one initiating, or I had a long day, blah blah blah. Like even in the midst of all of that, how do I serve my partner? Yeah, yeah I get that. Well, all right. Hopefully, we answered that one. Right. Um. So the next one says we have different religious beliefs. It's been causing tension in our relationship. How do we respect each other's beliefs while still maintaining our own? All right. So this is funny because we, I wouldn't say religious belief. We we didn't have different religious beliefs. But, but we, we grew, grew up in up, separate denominations. Yeah, we, we grew up in separate denominations and we did things completely different. Significantly. Than the other. Mm-hmm. Now, when when it came when I learned about your denomination, mm-hmm. um, I was immediately like intrigued. Like, wow, I didn't know people went to church on Saturday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Um, but I never, I guess, I never thought about what is life going to be like when we decided to take that step and get married. Like, who's going to choose whose denomination? Um, I just. You know, I, nat- I naturally didn't think. 
I knew for me, okay, let's let's say this. I knew for me, I was not interested in going to church on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> that was that was not my interest. And okay. then when I started, but what I did do is learn more about your denomination mm-hmm. to also make a uh, decision. <laughs> <laughs> so you're basically saying I did my research and still. Essentially. I, I felt the same way. I did my research mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, this doesn't really work for me. That's hilarious. And it probably won't mm-hmm. work for me. Uh, but hopefully she will understand. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not like you, you tried to convert me to your de- denomination, nothing like that. And then I also brought you to my church. because mm-hmm. I. So we can talk about each other's background. You grew up what? I grew up Church of God, Seventh-day. This is significantly different from Seventh-day Adventist. Um, <laughs> and it's like more so like some doctoral things, some traditional things um, that they do that we don't. Um, you know, like we, I grew up not celebrating Christmas. That's a Seventh-day Adventist individuals. Um, they do celebrate Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a whole lot of differing things. But, and you grew up. I grew up Baptist, very Baptist. And so that like so from a religious standpoint, we believe the same thing, mm-hmm. but the way that it was taught to us and the different traditions that come with that are different. Our preference, I think one of the biggest things for me was if that's what God has for us, then he's going to tell you and he's going to tell me. If we were supposed to do some sort of conversion and whatever, I don't think it's meant for the other individual who whichever to make that decision for the other. Mm -hmm. I think it is a thing where God has to work on your heart for that. Because I know, I know people that have married uh, from my denomination that have married people that went to church on Sunday um, and grew up Baptist or grew up AME, grew up whatever. And they are now Sabbath keepers. It's not because they forced them to, it's because they were felt convicted to do that or they mm. were, that was what their revelation from God was. And so I feel like that's what you have to receive in order for that to happen in any way, shape or form is that you have to have that conversation. And I believe that conversion comes from God. That's the only way I think it makes sense to me personally. It was never something that I felt like I was going to press upon you. Um, and you didn't do that with me either. Like, like we got to go to church on Sunday because that's what we're going to do. And I'm going to raise my kids like that and blah, blah, blah. I think what worked for us, and I got to start saying that now as people think that we're giving end all be all do what we say advice. What we're talking about is only based off of what has worked for us. Mm-hmm. What worked for us was just being in a flow because what we started to ask ourselves because we've attended because I'm, I, I'm a musician i lead worship at churches and stuff like that we've attended plenty yeah i mean we should definitely explore that we've attended plenty we've attended churches on saturdays we've attended churches on sundays and every church that we've attended that i have been a employee of has never been a church that we were willing to be a part of correct so for the last i've been i've been leading worship for 15 years um at a church and with you since 2013 14 now 2013 because i started singing at your brother's church that was the only church we actually attended technically together but it became a job for me so would you have been there one if that wasn't your brother's church and two if that wasn't a job for me 
Correct. You know, and so it took us seven years to find a church where we felt that this is where we're going to be planted at. It's not it wasn't based on our backgrounds. It wasn't based off of anything. It was based off of when we had to start sitting down and having adult conversations like and this was well into our marriage. I feel like it's probably something we probably should have talked about before we got married. But within our marriage, it started to be what are we looking for in a church? Like, yeah. what do you need and what do I need? And our needs are completely different in that respect. I, I think because you said that you wanted to, like, you wanted to be in an intimate church where, where the pastor knows your name, knows you personally. And, and that's like that. not even what kind of church we go to right now. Like, it's really not. It's a huge church. It doesn't mean that the potential's not there because right, it's not right. that many people. Well, at least, you know, it's a lot of people, actually. It is. It's a lot of people. <laughs> and it's multi-campus. It's multi-city. Right. So you never know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it feels intimate enough. Exactly. It feels intimate enough that at some point, we're, you know, my pastor or our pastors will probably know us or know of us mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It seems as though that. And going to different churches and, and experiencing uh, churches together, we started to see what we actually wanted in the church and what we didn't want in church. Mm-hmm. And what are, what are some of your things that like, I, we like I said, we have different needs. So what were some of yours? Um, how do I say this without being offensive? You say whatever you need. <laughs> no, because because uh, we live in Atlanta and um, things, you know, I don't know. So what I was looking for was one: do I do I believe in the pastor? Mm-hmm. Um, how was the word? Mm-hmm. Also, praise and worship was a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm you know I I really enjoy good singing mm-hmm. and that was a big thing too mm-hmm. but also conviction like do i do i believe this person mm-hmm. in their conviction you know as, as a praise and worship leader mm-hmm. and those were many many questions in many many churches here in atlanta mm-hmm. um i don't know if i believe many were were you know really convicted in what they believed in mm-hmm um, I, I see basically it. not living like double lives like yeah do you get and, and then it's not it's not to be I, judgy it's not because i a thousand percent like if we want to be real transparent let's talk about it like I, i've had sex with you and lay worship the next day Jesus. no problem i've got are we real or are we yeah, not because no, no, it's, it's like it's relative you know what i'm saying like because i've been that person it is you know what i'm saying i've, I've been toe up lit effed up and got up Sunday morning because I gotta also go get this check. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. They didn't. And, and and but that is the reality of church. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That that is the reality, and it's about what you, what can you see it. My mm-hmm. thing is, I feel like I was never convicted to a church because I could, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Like I I don't believe it. You know what I'm saying? That's interesting. No, it's real. It, it's interesting because you lived with somebody who lived that life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which is always interesting to me because it's like, so it's like, I'm now curious to like, did you look at me like, I know I smacked that this morning. Oh my God. No, <laughs> no, 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 I didn't. I didn't. But that, that doesn't mean, here's the thing. I didn't think that, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be offended if somebody Thought felt that. how I felt. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I would and and like I said, it's not to be judgy. It's more so about. It's more so about. Can I feel comfortable? 
growing and being led by this person. It's a real thing. Spiritually. Like, even, like, in interviews that I've had, like, when I wasn't married, going to interviews, like, so you got a boyfriend, where does he live and where do you live? I yeah, feel like that's a very real. invasive Ooh, question. God, they be asking real questions. I think it's church. an invasive this question. business that people don't know. It's but that's really how, like, I, I was at church last week and, um, you know, I mean, I hope our pastors don't listen to this, but and when I was at the church that I lead worship at, they were saying they just did an interview with somebody and the person lived with their significant other and they were unmarried. And so they liked them, but they couldn't, they didn't get them a job because of their conviction. So I understand what you're saying. Cause I surely, I mean, I, I lied at my first interview when they asked me <laughs> that. Like, because to me, it's like, I say, he got a house. I got a house. You don't got to know that that house is the same house. <laughs> that is hilarious. But it's I mean, that one, is, I couldn't afford to, at the time, I couldn't afford to not get that job. So, But also what what, what changes for me is that I know the church business side because right. of you. Yeah. So there is, there is kind of a biasy on my end because I've seen too much. You know what I'm saying? I've seen it all. Mm-hmm. With your own eyes. With my, <laughs> with my own eyes. I've seen, you know, the, some of these churches, my God. They they business like Fortune five hundred companies. No, for sure. You know I, mean, what I'm I mean, it needs to be because people. That's a whole nother story for another day. Yeah. But like for me, and and you don't care about anybody knowing you. Like Malcolm is so. The first time I went to Malcolm Church, y'all, it felt like I was in the nosebleeds at an arena. <laughs> yeah, so it is a mega church. It's a mega like nobody knows you in this gym for real. Like real life, like nobody even knows you. And we went to this church. I was about to um. <laughs> friend of mine was bringing me into a church that he was starting that's um out in Conyers (laughs) and we end up going there you talking to the bishop and he was like yeah um he was talking about somebody he was like oh yeah his mentor was your pastor pastor at home home." and he was like oh I'm gonna send you I'm gonna send him your picture I said that nigga ain't gonna know who you are (laughs) like met him but you don't know me he don't you know, know you don't know me and he's gonna be like yeah i met one of your guys from one your church your gonna send a whole picture of y'all together and i can guarantee the bishop probably was like oh okay <laughs> you know, he, i don't know who that is know but that's i think because you grew up like that it doesn't become a thing that you need community you know yeah, what i'm saying I don't, I, yeah i didn't need like the the knowing of my past my past knowing me and him praying directly over me i didn't need that yeah so for me i'm significantly different i grew up in a a family church where like there's a multitude of families mm-hmm. in this place and so um you know for me I, but but i don't think that's all i need i wanted a place where i felt like i go here mm-hmm. i wanted a place that was very um intentional about marriage mm. because Every church I've ever been to that I have led worship at, they didn't have a marriage ministry. And I'm like, this is a part of my life. So how are you going to be pouring into couples, especially when you go to a church that's full of married people? How do you not have a couples ministry? You know what I'm saying? Churches will have a children's ministry, but you're not pouring into your couples. Mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and they make these kids <laughs> right exactly. and so it's like marriage ministry was really really huge for me because um i think just in the state of business that we're in and as entrepreneurs and stuff like that like there's not a lot of pouring back into us from a marital standpoint we've had mentors and stuff like that for business we've had mentors for communication and all the kind of stuff like that leadership but we have never had mentors for marriage and i think that's something that pastors and churches can provide so for me that was a non-negotiable like I need my pastors to be 
in love with each other and display that by teaching us what that looks like. I mean, our pastor's been married yeah. for what, 23, what did I say, 23 years? Mm-hmm. 22, 23 years. So put me on game because yeah. I'm only going into year five. Show me how to get to 22. Yeah, no, that's right. And I, beyond. I think, to answer the question, then I think we're alluding to that you have to um, decide what's important for you individually and what's important for you all together collectively mm-hmm. um, before deciding. Um, what's important for you to indoctrinate your family into mm-hmm. and uh, and grow your family. So basically essentially <laughs> saying that that might not necessarily be in either of your denominations because exactly. for us, be either, right? we're not in a church that, that go, that's a part of either. Right. We found something that works. They have roots and they have roots of mine. Like literally <laughs> my guy brother who grew up the same way I did is the musical director. Yes. Yeah, so you yeah, know, so yeah. yeah. Uh, is it my turn? Yes. It's your guy. I just did. All right. So, all right. So this person said, "Bro, I've been in a monogamous." Wow. Mm-hmm. I, I did I not say that? <laughs> did, did I say it? Did say okay. It. <laughs> <laughs> she said, "Bro, I've been in a monogamous relationship for years, but I'm curious about exploring non-monogamy. How do I approach this conversation with my partner?" We said, "Bro." So, Woo. tell him, bro. <laughs> you know, tell him, bro. This is deep. Um, I think so. Yeah, they've been they've been in a monogamous relationship for for years, and I think he's saying he's he's curious, mm-hmm. but I don't think I don't think he has to act on the curiosity. Mm-hmm. But he's obviously asking because now he wants to bring this to this person. He he mm-hmm. he wants to bring it to the forefront, and. I think he has to, he does have to be honest about having a conversation. Uh, you know, here, here's the thing. You're going to have to be ready for whatever repercussion. That's what I was going to say. You know what I'm saying? That comes with that. But I will say to that, so you can touch on that. I'll say to that, that I want you to look at this on the other foot. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes for us, for men, we can be, we can act in in in, in selfish behavior, mm-hmm. not understanding that you're just trying to get your need met. Right. But what about the need of your partner? Right. And I want you to I want you to put your your mind on the other foot and be like, okay, if this was her coming to me with this curiosity, how would I handle this? How would I? Well, want you know exactly. It to be- she for the streets and. <laughs> I would never be back with her and blah, blah, blah. The same double standard stuff that always happens. It's definitely, it's definitely, it's hundred percent double standard. But I, is that a man thing can't. though? Like, what? like because of, because you guys oh, are yes. physical beings and all this stuff like that. Like, is it, is it, I think I've heard one, not, let me not say it was one of your friends because I don't want they wise be listening to this be like, was it you? Oh, <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> but Jesus. I'm saying, I feel like I remember hearing somebody say like, it's not natural for a man to be with one woman. Is that true? I think natural i would say i don't think i don't think it's natural but discipline is what makes that net you know mm-hmm. it's not what makes it natural it's what makes it worth it and also how you do it you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. you don't get all i think somebody said you know in um in a podcast i was listening to or whatever it was um they said it would take 20 men to to populate the entire earth mm. That's how much sperm men have. Jesus Christ. So 
just by that definition alone, mm-hmm. it obviously doesn't sound like we were biologically made for one. You know, mm-hmm. but but if you're talking about having values and principles and things like that, that's when that stuff comes into play. And do you need multiple partners? No, you don't. Mm-hmm. That's the reality. You don't need it. So just because your makeup suggests that you 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 don't have to doesn't mean that you you need to do what your makeup is, is, is telling you to do. I would be curious as to what what you are looking for in letting go of monogamy. Right. Um, because you know what I'm saying? Is it like are you already into entertaining something that makes you feel like I want to let you know that that's what I want to do? Mm. Um, because something or have you seen it are you i I would but i would be curious as to who your friends are because the people around you make a difference if you're let's say a married and a married man and all your friends are still single they still outside they telling you about this one and that one and this one and that one and this one and that one Mm -hmm. and you're like damn i still gotta go home to the same old same old been hitting Mm -hmm. the same jump for years and blah 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 i'm sick of this i'm bored i would wonder if he married a virgin like if he married as a virgin not didn't marry a virgin did he marry as a virgin because i sometimes believe this is just my own personal theory. I've had this theory for years, but that, um, you know, sometimes like waiting increases curiosity once you open Pandora's box. Mm. So it's like, if I wait till I'm, I'm married, does that now make me wonder what I missed because now I'm locked into my marriage? Mm. Um, I will, these are the things that I would be curious about. Um, but you do have to be, whatever i would say buddy you got to be prepared for what that looks like because what if she says all right bet yeah you I know mean, and, and and what if she was if you're not married and she was just a girlfriend like what if she was the one what if she was the one that was like who god made for you to literally multiply elevate your life right but because you don't want that right now or 100%. you know or how men always say um you're the one i just you're the one i you're the wifey just material not right just not right you know what i'm saying yeah. and so what if she's the one that god has literally made to elevate your entire life but because of this one moment or this season of maybe you're dealing with some stuff maybe you sexually deprived whatever it could mm-hmm. be um that you're about to miss out on everything that you really supposed to have for a moment of pleasure right. and so i think like i don't think people think often and it works it, it works for some people you know what i'm saying like yeah. the thing is it works for some people some people thrive in marriages like that some people thrive in their relationships like that that don't work over here and but I, and i think people come to that agreement before they even come together they right. like they're they're in that lifestyle. They're into that lifestyle and have an agreement before they even decide to make any commitment to that person. Yeah, because so I think if you bring that up later coming, on, it's yeah, like he bringing this to the table now. After I, you've already been in a committed relationship. I have oh, many this questions is about to throw a, a monkey wrench for because sure. I need to know where this is coming from or what has preluded to this. Yeah, because I, I mean, I would we would need more context, obviously, because uh, are you married? One. Are you not married? That's that's that changes that dynamic too. But then again, like I said, if if the shoe is on the other foot, can you can you take the same conversation? And how would you want that conversation presented to you? Let's, nine times I got out a of ten, example. that's exactly how you need to be presenting it. The others. perfect example, right, is if y'all watch the shy. 
And uh, what's uh, what's uh, Buddy's character? And he had all the babies, and he was cheating on his girl for forever. And then he got married to her. The dude that owned the restaurant. Drawing a blank. Uh, He was with Lala. Oh, you're talking about um, Jacob Lattimore. Yes. So his character is basically like consistently in relationships, but consistently cheats on that woman. Then he decides to get married after he cheats again and cheats while married. And then when his wife now says, I want to have an open, let me experience what you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. And she starts sleeping with another dude and, and staying over his house and late at night and all that stuff. And he was getting a taste of his own medicine. Now it's, Oh, I don't want this no more. I just want to be fully committed to you. And so, like you said, like if the shoe was on the other, because it was all fun and games when it was you and you were stepping out on your relationship consistently, no problem. Yeah. But when she decides to show, not necessarily, and she didn't do it to show you, she said, let me see what this is so good. What is so good about it not just being me? Yeah. Let me peep game. Yeah, I th- yeah, he was he was not ready for he it. He wasn't ready he for it. He thought he couldn't. And the thing is, he agreed to it because he thought he could handle it. And eventually, he he obviously couldn't psychologically. His ego, men come with you know. We come with a whole bunch of other things that I don't think you can handle that. And for him, he he owes that person the respect to be honest and have that conversation and allow them to, you know, decide. Yeah. And if they go, they go. If they don't, they don't. But um, at least she was honest. And then if you go in that way, route, the next person kind of you know. Tell them ahead of time. Before time you know right. And I think that's the real thing about it. It's like, as a woman, because I know this is a dude, because he said, bro, to you, my thought is this. Before you cheat on me, before you step out on me, me and Michael have had this conversation in our relationship, in our marriage. Before you, if you want out, go. Tell me so I can go live my life and we can move accordingly to that. But don't cheat on me. Like, give me that respect to tell me ahead of time so I'm not blindsided. One thing my daddy always said is, I don't want no secrets. Like, don't <laughs> let me find nothing out. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me what you want. Okay. Um. So this question um says, my partner and I are dealing with financial infidelity. How do we build trust and transparency back in our relationship? Um, that's a that's a good question because financial uh, infidelity, financial infidelity. Obviously, somebody. You know, I've heard I've heard of um, I've heard of a couple. You know, they're doing they was doing well financially, and this dude didn't know that his wife was spending thirty to a hundred thousand dollars a month in on credit card. You know, in credit card debt. A hundred thousand dollars. Yes, they were doing obviously well financially, but he had no idea she had this credit card on the side. Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? And was swiping like crazy. I don't even know what you was buying that you could hide from him. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? But yeah, and he, when he found out, when he found out uh, what she was doing, that, you know, obviously he, um, he filed for divorce. But that's an example of financial infidelity. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you gain trust back? I think, you know, I've had I had a conversation with a friend about, about um, you know, them feeling like their money, this person's money is their money, this person's money is their money, and I told them that it's always it's always going to be a constant battle if you come to the table with that mindset. 
Mm-hmm. Because if you got married, you got married as to be as one. Mm-hmm. Not that you, not that you're not your own person, but you, there's a lot of things that that decisions that have to be made or decisions that you're going to make in your life that it takes both you all mm-hmm. as a team to to make. And when it comes to finding, I told them one to gain the trust back. Let's eliminate the, the separate bank accounts and, and, and join one bank account. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Get one joint bank account. And not to say you only have one bank account, but you need to have a primary account that's you all's account. Mm-hmm. Because now it doesn't become a, a separate entity. You don't become just an individual like this is my money, this is my money. Because that's where you will see um, problems arise financially in your in your marriage. And where you'll, you'll have uh, this possessive mentality over things you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. uh so that was the advice i gave them and i would give to the same person you know if you trying to rebuild trust uh it's only one way to do it it is by by let's put it all out on the table put it all on the table put it together and under understand each other's financial habits Mm, i think that's a big one and sometimes i think those go overlooked because Money, I think money conversations are just so difficult to have. They're yeah, they awkward. Are. They People don't want to talk about um, the realities of finances. I was one of those individuals like, I like to talk about it when, when all is well. <laughs> I don't ever want to talk about it when you asking me questions about it. <laughs> we were just talking about, um, you know, with just the inflation rates and like the price of groceries and how much money, like, like, real life the reason for my desire for increased wealth besides being able to live abundantly take care of my 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 legacy our family um and being able to you know um be generous to others is to have a private chef (laughs) the reason i say that is because the mental fortitude and the mental capacity it takes to think about what to eat wears my soul out the mental capacity it takes to think about multiple dinner, I mean multiple <laughs> meals, not just multiple a dinner, day, yeah. multiple meals a day for multiple people with different tastes and appetites wears my soul out. And so I say that to say um, oftentimes, you know, we had to have a conversation recently in regards to the amount of money that we're spending on food because of the lack of desire to do that. So now that result, because I like just my mental capacity isn't there to think about that consistently, that results in the amount of times that we're eating out. The, and then when we're not eating out, the amount of times we're buying go- groceries in bulk or how many times that we go to the grocery store this week. And so all these different things, and you don't think it adds up to the numbers that it adds up to, especially in inflated rates that we're in today. And so just because it's an, it's an uncomfortable conversation or something, cause it's like, you know, my response could be, but we got to eat. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we do, but do we have to eat this way? You know what I'm saying? Like there was a point in time where we were going to restaurants where dinner was gonna cost us three to four hundred dollars every time we ate for two. Yeah. How wild. sustainable is that over time where it's like yes, we like this. This is the quality of life that we prefer. This is the quality of taste that we prefer, but we don't have to do this all the time. Right. And so I think it's being honest and understanding, like you said, financial habits. Um, one of my financial habits when we first met was to reward myself for the hard work I did. I worked hard, I'm going shopping. 
I worked for this money. I'm going shopping. It didn't matter the amount. It didn't matter how much I got paid. I felt like that was my right. But his, but I was great at saving. Mm -hmm. So I always had money, but I always gave myself an allotment to spend. And I would have had more money saved if I didn't do that. Or I, I was relative about that. You were an individual that was very, you, um, you know, you're a saver. You're a planner. You're a let's make this make sense. Let's budget this out. Let's blah, blah, blah. To me, I didn't want to do that. However, because that's your habit and this is my habit, because we know those things, we're able to make adjustments and compromises and have different conversations um, when money changes. How do we respond? I was never a response person to money changing. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I was never that individual. If money changes, we stay the same. <laughs> My husband is not that person. Anything that changes, we need to have a contingency plan. I don't care how we live in. I don't care what we have. What is the contingency plan? Because a lot of people have pride and ego that leaves them in a place worse off than they were when they needed to make those changes. Yeah. And so when you have financial conversations, you understand each other's financial habits, then you can build a financial you can build financial stability and a foundation because we know what we doing and i think that separate bank account thing i don't know if that's a millennial thing i don't know how people do that because i don't want to have to ask you what are you doing with your money i don't want to have to have a conversation <laughs> say where is your money or what's your money going to or you supposed to be paying this and you supposed to be paying that and your money now goes to this and like i can't do that i think it's easier when it's like all right this is your money this is my money it goes into this pot from that pot it goes to these different places because we've always had our own spending accounts but it comes from the melting pot of all the money in the first place to now go to our separate spending accounts those are the things we don't talk about i think yeah and i think it needs to be an established leader role um between you two of who can who in what capacity and who is more equipped at this moment to take the lead in whether it's your finances, whether it's uh, bill paying, whatever it is, you know. My what husband saying? does not pay bills. You don't. Do you know what? what the bills are due? Hell no, I do not. I definitely don't. That's, that's not, not his my thing. thing. That's not my. That's <laughs> if it was up to Malcolm, all of us would be cut oh off. God, I should be cut off. <laughs> I'll be forgetting stuff. Oh dang, what was that joint? Literally, I forget all the time. We pay car insurance today. If you yeah, care, definitely didn't know. Had no <laughs> idea. It's today. You know what I'm saying? Like stuff like that. Like you got to understand and establish um, separate roles for each other. And I think it, uh, you, you'll see a significant difference. So, and for the person that was infidel, infidel, <laughs> the person that did whatever with the money, I think it's also important to have the conversation around why you did that or what that was really about. Because I think getting insight into the reason for it versus me just knowing it occurred, I think also helps because I think that's where we can start to have dialogue in regards to what we're going to do moving forward. Yeah. All right, so this um this next person they said, uh, because y'all talk about finances all the time, mm-hmm. um, and I want to get y'all t- y'all's take on this: is it better to buy or rent a home in today's market, given the current uh, economic climate uh, that we're that we're going through? I don't know, cause we're trying to figure out the same. Sh- <laughs> uh- <laughs> Real talk, like, you know, at the time that I just think things are so ever changing, Um, you know, one of our conversations recently is like, because, you know, the thing about these leases is like they always come to an end and you always have to make another decision. I think that's the thing about leasing. Like they always will end. There is no infinite lease out here. And because of that, you're always having to consider what am I going to do next? Am I going to renew this? The price is going to go up regardless. 
some way, some shape or form. It might not be significant, but it's going to go up. So your price is going to change, but it's going to end again. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, if I do get into another lease, but I do start my home buying process, how do I get out of my lease? Mm. We've always ended up in that situation where like our lease was too long. Even when we wanted to move into a, another apartment or another rent uh, lease, we were always in a long lease. I think, um, so I'll, I'll, I'll answer this two ways. One, I'll answer by asking a question. Is the American dream still uh, home ownership? Is it still home still home ownership? I want you to think about this, the person that asked this question, because how I see it is buying a house that you live in isn't necessarily the asset that you think it is, uh, just because you're the one taking the debt. And I want people to think about it like this. In any transaction, someone's getting paid. Mm-hmm. So if someone's giving you a house and a mortgage to pay, who's actually getting paid in the deal? Who actually has the incentive? Who actually is coming out a winner? There's winner and losers and everything. Because, because I'm a trader, I understand that this, if somebody wins, that means somebody lost. Mm-hmm. And I want you to think of it just in that sense, transactionally. If the government owns the banks and the banks own the homes, who essentially owns it? Mm-hmm. Is it you? Is it the banks? Or is it the government? Well, let's think of it like this. Your rent does go up over time, obviously, because of inflation and things like that. But so can your mortgage. Mm -hmm. Because even if you pay your mortgage off, you still have to pay property taxes. Mm -hmm. Property taxes will never go away. If you don't own the land, you'll always pay property taxes. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing. It can always be taken from you Mm -hmm. by government or the banks. So... Is it truly your asset? And then if you if you have equity in it, the equity is monopoly money. So you essentially have the equity until you actually make the sale and you sell it one day. So when I, I'm not saying that to not buy a home, I'm saying that to look at everything in its totality. Look at pros and cons from renting. Look at pros and cons and buying. Because they all have their pros and cons. Mm-hmm. The thing is, what what makes more sense for you financially and your and your strategy going forward to build wealth for your family? No, I agree, and I think that's the conversation we're having. Like, um, before I think we talked about the last episode or one of them, but before our whole home buying situation kind of fell through. The next conversation, like we took a a, a weekend getaway. My parents came to town, mm-hmm. watched Caden, um, and we took a weekend getaway to really just kind of sit and talk, plan, like what do the next five years look like? And because that didn't work out in that sense, what is our home ownership time frame? Yeah. Because I think for us, Malcolm and I are very quick hitters when it comes to moving. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, oh, I like this. We're out. Oh, yeah. I like this. Let's break this lease. Okay. We're out. <laughs> it's 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 ever going. And so for us, we really do have to be a extremely um, intentional, meticulous, and um, calculated on purchasing a home because we have been like that for years. Like we've been living in Atlanta for seven years this year. And this is what our fifth place we've lived at Mm -hmm. five places in seven years. That means that we have a consistent (laughs) desire 
or boredom or I no longer like this space or this space doesn't accommodate our family anymore or this space isn't financially accommodating this space is too little this it's it's this space is too old it's it's always ever changing for us and so when it comes to purchasing a house it literally has to be the house like it doesn't have to be you know for me it was always it has to be the dream house for him it's like what's wrong with a starter home and I'm like are we going to be bored in two years and knowing stuck us. knowing, knowing us, us you know stuck. and I think that's a I think self-accountability and couple accountability is something that is not talked about you know enough to say we know us enough to know that this is not as simple as just going to buy a house Correct. for us because we know us yeah and even now we're talking about okay this lease is coming to an end what is the plan mm-hmm and for me, I'm like, yo, I wanted this to be the last lease. I wanted to go into home ownership, but now with the rates and inflation and 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 just how life is moving, it's just kind of being real with yourself and saying, am I putting myself? Is that financial suicide right now? Exactly. Yeah, I'm about to say because this person asked this question because most you'd be surprised how many people are house poor. You'd be so surprised because people only see the mortgage; and they don't see everything. And it's total of what comes with financing a home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I'm saying? Because now you can't call nobody. You can't call breaks. maintenance. And you understand if if you understand how things are made today, things are made to break today. <laughs> Nothing is made and lasting for for when we live. When we moved time. into every place that we've lived since 2020 has been a we have been the first tenants in them. Yeah. When we moved into our townhouse, why are lights coming out in my closet in the stairwell? It, the flooring is coming up. We yeah. the first, and, and we're not rough on things. Yeah, I didn't. I can't even. The ceilings are twelve feet. I can't touch the lights. Mm-hmm. How are they falling out? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, oven not working. The AC unit was stuck on freezing. Then the upstairs unit went out, and now we hot. L- like. You can't like, and and you know how long it can, it took them to come and fix this stuff. Yeah, no, and this is forever. with them being like them being the landlords. It took them forever to try to fix that. So now you're talking about you being you, and then it's like just with the way the world is too. It's like how fast are people coming out to actually take care and handle your situations? Yeah, it's it's a it's a real uh, conversation that you gotta have with yourself because there's nothing wrong with renting. There's nothing wrong with owning a home. Um, you can have a different strategy. We've even talked yeah. about different strategies right now uh, of being in the game because you got to think about it. Um, the best investors have a four, a four, a four things in their portfolio. Mm-hmm. So when people talk about diversification, having twenty different you know things in their portfolio, uh, I think I mean that that could be a good thing and it also be very very risky. But mm-hmm. when you talk about just getting yourself in the game. And having real estate as part of your portfolio, don't come to homeownership if you're trying to be a homeowner as an investor mindset. You gotta really be thinking about all right, this is my home. I'm not thinking about thinking about it like an investor. Or you can come with into it like an investor and be like, okay, let me get a home, uh, you know, single family home, multifamily home, whatever it is, rent it out and rent where I live and and, and use that money towards paying my rent off or, you know, every month or cash flow, whatever it is, whatever strategy you decide mm-hmm. to take. There is many different avenues. You just got to start thinking about which one that makes best sense, sense for, for you. you. So mm-hmm. hopefully that helped. That was a good answer. Yeah. Um, ooh. How can I find and pursue passion in life while still having to pay bills and meet responsibilities? 
so this so this person is trying to they're trying to decide whether they should follow their passion mm-hmm. and still have stability. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy because I was having this conversation with a friend, but it's kind of in a different scenario in a sense because that one they're in their passion, but they also are looking for their spouse to find their passion. Mm-hmm. And I was telling you, I was like, you know, when you and we don't have a, a lot of contact with this question because we don't know if they marry, have kids, and things like that. Mm-hmm. All I'm going to assume that they at least have they have some sort of responsibility because they said I have to still maintain the lifestyle that I have, main, pay bills, and I have to meet my responsibilities. So that could yeah. be they have kids. They kids might not live with them, but they have something where they feel like you know, obviously, I have to be yeah considerate of all things and it's surely a millennial because they want to follow their passion you know <laughs> we love our passions <laughs> we love following our passions and um all time all you know not all the time our passions are profitable and it's not to say that, that is a fact it's not to say that you know it can't be but um there is a process of being profitable in anything mm-hmm. and i don't i don't want this person and i don't want us in general to have the the, the naivety of thinking that you know if i follow this i can i can I'll make enough soon enough that I'll be able to pay all my bills. So you have to be thinking about um, your stability. There's nothing wrong with uh, taking care of your responsibilities. There's nothing wrong with being an adult and understanding that I, I have to have something stable. I have to be doing something stable enough in order to sustain my own life or or have a stable partner, you know, or have a stable partner. And that's, that's what I was telling my friend, you know, I was saying like, like be grateful because they're always, has to be somebody in a, in a relationship that that can provide stability while the other one can take risks mm-hmm. and vice versa because that may change throughout your the course mm-hmm. of your relationship too um but it's important especially if you're trying to uh follow your passion you're trying to get to the next level you're trying to do these things as long as you uh as long as you and your spouse have an an, an okay and understanding that there's going to be stability somewhere you have the autonomy to take risks Correct. And I was telling this person, like, like, don't be so hard on your partner saying, like, man, like, I don't think this person is growing. I don't, you know, I think they they need to be doing such and such. And it's I'm like, but you've been doing what you've been doing for over a decade. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You've been knowing what you wanted to do and you're just now getting your stride. This person is in a whole different different realm in their life. But what they do bring is stability to your household. Mm-hmm. And you, you want to be careful because you don't want to diminish that. Um, so the same in this in the, in this aspect, uh, take care of your business. You know, be be responsible, sustain yourself. But that doesn't mean that you can't uh, pursue your passion on the side. I think it's important to ask yourself: Is your passion profitable? Mm-hmm. Because a, a, it's a real conversation. Have, is your so. passion profitable? Because sometimes we want to pursue passion, but we're un. Un, uneducated or unaware of how people make money with this passion. Mm-hmm. So for me, I went to school for music, right? Um, I went to school for vocal performance. And one thing my friends and I talk about um, is how school didn't equip us to make money, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of people could say that for a lot of their majors, but in particular, it's like, so I'm spending all this time learning how to master my craft of my voice, but I don't know now how to go market that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so we learned that in the field. We learned how to do that by just taking risk and, and enjoying life. And um, a lot of my friends are now paid musicians, um, paid singers and, and working at very, very high levels. But like you said, individuals that have been doing I was in co- I graduated from college 10 years ago next year, mm. 10 wow. years ago next year. So if you're talking about if you add on four more years to that, that's mm-hmm. 14 years that now we would have been doing those things. So like you said, so it's like asking yourself, is your passion profitable? And I was, I remember I was talking to you one time um, where I was like, yo, you know, I just want to, I love music so much. And because I wasn't in the industry at the time, but I had the ink, I had the, the money to pat, to pursue the passion. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, y'all want to put together like a, a tour or like a, a I want to be an executive producer on my friend's album and just be the, the investor behind it. And your response was, yeah, but how do you make money? And I had no Jesus. answer for that. He was like, it sounds like a great opportunity. It sounds great that that's what you want to provide people with. But what? Th- how does that make money? And that was a moment where I, was, I had to actually look at it and say, just because it's something that I enjoy doing doesn't mean that it is a profitable thing to do. Um, I remember talking to one of my friends and they were they had just put out a music video. He told me about how much the video cost. And I was like, how much did you make from that? And they made money, but it wasn't from what they just spent the money on. They made money in a different arena. And Mm. so it's really asking yourself, like, although you want to pursue your passion, is that passion profitable? If you if you want to be a master dog walker, well, do you have the time capacity to walk these dogs yeah. or do you want to teach people how to walk dogs effectively? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because the truth of the matter is a lot of people talk about gurus and you know, with the, I guess the podcast is an epidemic now too. The people think it's podcasting is the new Forex. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? People have a lot to say about podcasting, but I, I think it's, it's understanding that education is actually the highest thing you can do for income and people look at that and like oh they want to be a guru or you've been doing this for a little bit of time and now you want to teach people mm-hmm. um now i have my thoughts in regards to that too i do think you need you know some tenure under your belt um you know before just feeling like the way that there are a lot of people that make their money by teaching people how to make money these are facts hmm. but the reason why people are able to do that and get away with it because somebody would say how do you get away with that yeah The reason why people are able to get away with it is because they understand that educating people is the highest form of compensation. You know what I'm saying? Like people are going to pay to learn at the end of the day, more people are going to pay to know how to do what they want to do. And so if you understand that, that's just the lane that you can be in. If you're not necessarily like entertainment takes a lot longer for people to get into to become profitable. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Everything that we just talked about, the two individuals we just talked about, myself included, these were, were my first paid gig in the entertainment world was the grammys yeah you know what i'm saying i've been doing voice like i said if i go all the way back to college if i go all the way back to college i've been studying voice yeah. since i was eight 17 years old you got a whole degree in vocal i got a whole degree in that you know? i'm 30 that's yeah. 
14, 13, 14 years that I was doing that to get my first pay. Now, granted, I wasn't in the industry. I'm sure I could have done that a lot sooner. Soon, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But that's not the point. Is your passion profitable? That's the biggest question to ask yourself before you consider just jumping, because that's what we as millennials do. It's like when I think about something or I believe in this so much, I don't take time to consider if it makes sense as a passion project or a profitability project. Mm. a passion project is cool i have things that i just want to do that i don't have to get paid from and i think hell millennials we don't have hobbies no more yeah. everybody's trying to make money from the, from the passion it's like why you just can't be passionate about something mm. and do that because it makes you feel good i'm gonna say you about I, to go be a bodybuilder just because you like to work out no no not at all and i think that that's that's the come to jesus moment this person has to have is that am i willing to start a business with this you know with this passion or am I okay with seeing where this passion goes and takes me? If it takes me on a journey of, of being profitable, that's fine. Uh, but I am still being responsible with myself. So Yeah. And if you want to follow your passion, keep your job. That too. Yeah. That's that's the part. Until he, and Malcolm has said this before. Before you leave your job, y'all, you whatever that passion is or the business that you're building needs to have been making you for a period of time yeah. three times what you make on your job. Don't get ten thousand dollars one time and think that's enough. Yeah, we we've seen this. We've been in this game. We've seen it. We've seen the casualties. We've seen it all. Um, so just don't a word be your of own casualty wisdom. before you even get started. Words of wisdom for you. All right, what do you want to do? One more. Um, I guess we could do uh one last one. All right, let's you hit it. Let's knock it out. Uh, which one should we do? Let's see. All right, what should I do? If I feel like I'm losing myself or my independence in a relationship and how can I ensure that I maintain some sense of self, um, even while still being a supportive uh, partner, find a hobby, <laughs> find a hobby. Um, I think in the day and age where people work from home, they build p- businesses with their partners, um, their parents, their spouses, their friends, Go find your thing. Um, When Malcolm and I first met, we both had our own things. We were attached to the hip relatively. Like in the sense of I have my thing, you have your thing. We have each other and now we're supporting each other in those separate things. When we moved to Atlanta, um, he was working. I was building a business. But once he left his job, we are literally building a business together, building our relationship to the next level, getting married, starting a fa- like everything we were doing. We were all ways together. And truth be told, people won't say this, but that shit is tiring. Being together all the time gets old. And so I think when you feel like you're losing yourself in the relationship, it's because you have nothing to do for yourself. And um, I think it's really, really important to find what that thing is that's independent of that other person. And it's important for them to find a thing that's independent of that other person. When you start to add in, um, you know, children and businesses and church and all that, you know what I'm saying? I know somebody that literally lives with their partner, does church with their partner. Um, if they get a if they get a gig, they gotta get their partner on the like, dang, you ain't tired of seeing me yet. They work together. Like it's um, like the regular job is together. Like get you gotta get some space. Um, because I feel like over time, 
like you don't want to feel like I, I mean I don't I like being labeled as Malcolm and Brittany Garrison but I don't want to be forgotten as Brittany Garrison yeah absolutely you know um like the whole let's talk about the Grammys again like it was like I want you there because I'm used to you always being with me mm-hmm. And you were like, but it's okay for you to go do your thing by yourself. I'm going to be right yeah. here watching, yeah. recording. It's going to be me and your son. I, I might host a watch party. Like, do your thing. Yeah, I yeah, I had to learn that. Like, it is okay to have something outside of your spouse. And it's actually needed. It's 100% it needed. Mm-hmm. Like you said, find a hobby. Find an interest. Have an interest that has nothing to do with your partner or a skill set that you may have that your partner has nothing to do with. Cause like you said, that person is a musician. Their partner partner is probably a musician in the same skill sets. Mm-hmm. And, you know what I'm saying? So it's hard to shift out of that. Like, no, find a, a place that you can do and go and be, and people know you for that person mm-hmm. for you and not just, you know, you as you, you as a, a, a duo. And I think sometimes you feel like you lost yourself because you don't have anything else to talk about, but what we already both know. And so, you know, my husband, y'all don't know this, but you'll probably find out eventually. He is, is it a nerd? Like, I'm a historian. Yes. I'm a historian. historian. A hundred percent. I am definitely a nerd. You know what I'm saying? Y'all, I don't care. My baby, he'd be like, like to learn, y'all. I'm like, oh, you want to watch a movie? And Malcolm's <laughs> a thousand percent going to pick a documentary or a docu-series. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, cool. I guess we'll sit here and I'll go to sleep because that's just not my vibe. Music though, I'm, I'm going to sit and just watch just, oh my gosh, watch this and watch this concert, watch this show. Let's do this, blah, blah, blah. They like, okay, cool, whatever. Yeah. You know, and so we have our different things, but you know, I know what my husband is driven by. I know what he's passionate about. So although sometimes my check engine light might come on when he's sharing something to me, it's even having to be intentional with definitely. my listening skills. No, definitely. Might be like, did I lose you? No, 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 no. No, least I know damn well I'm talking over your head right now. <laughs> She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when he talked about the whole thing about real estate that he said, he told me that before. He was, we had this whole, when he talked about we did our planning, he told me that. And I was like, oh, Matt, wow. We're going to have to revisit this in a few minutes. Right. Give my lot. brain a breather. It's a lot. And, and it's, yeah, she don't study it. I do. He you does. and But I love that for him, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I'm intrigued by him for it. If that makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. but if you watch a, you know, I know he likes documentaries. Mm -hmm. So I might find you one on a musician. Right. Cause I like this. I like the story. I want to know. What's up? So like, okay, cool. My happy medium to connect with you in that moment with your thing. And my thing is, all right, cool. Can I do it for, can we go watch something about, um, like we watched the Lizzo documentary. Yeah, the Lizzo. Yeah, that was a good one. And I was like, dang, that was that was fire. But you know, so it's like finding a thing, your thing, my thing, and then you might find a way to meet that thing in the middle. Sometimes, 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 sometimes. sometimes. He likes basketball. We watched the Jordan jump. Yeah. Um, plenty of that stuff like that. So go find your thing. Yeah, this has been another one. This, <laughs> this has been, been another, the season finale. Another episode, another season. I can't believe we've done three seasons. That's crazy. Yeah, it's old. Three seasons, man. Season four. It's loaded. Woo! Season four, it, it has a lot of things to tell y'all. Yeah, we're going to be more stories, more lessons, more guests. 
I think it's going to be dope. What was your life lesson from this season? This season? Um, life be lifing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's okay. Uh, things don't always have to be in your control. Mm-hmm. Um, learn to adapt. Mm-hmm. Um, become more skillful. I've learned that life has its ebbs and flows mm-hmm. and it's important to have one somebody that that you can go through those ebbs and flows with but even if you don't have somebody to find to find therapy or to find a place to to kind of get your thoughts out and you know hear a different perspective mm-hmm. and i think this this uh season we've we touched on a lot of different topics. I think we started a lot of different conversations. Mm-hmm. We absolutely <laughs> went viral a lot. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, from from things and clips, man. Y'all ha- y'all have to understand this. There were people. There were women that was burning me at the stake. Oh my gosh! Earlier this season, and there for, were there were plenty of people. edits. You know what I'm saying? Not even the whole conversation, but edits there that came out. So I had to learn that people have their opinions. And that was the whole point of this podcast, mm-hmm. people to share their opinions, share their perspectives mm-hmm. and be okay with that. And, you know, I'm completely okay with that. I'm, yes. I'm, you know, it is what it is. I think that was eloquently said. And I think I'm going to just second that notion. Mm-hmm. That was good. Yeah, I agree. Sure. Um, so season four is loading with a ton of uh, more conversations. I think one of my favorite parts of the season was being able to, help start developing language for conversations Mm -hmm. for the people to be able to say um, what they need to say to their partners or to their friends or to their businesses, Um, being able to develop the language because communication is so complex. It's like, I feel like I'm saying this stuff, Mm -hmm. but because it's coming from a different perspective or it's being said, the same stuff is being said in a different way that I feel like I'm able to articulate more effectively to be able to share with people what I need to so that I can, so we can all grow. And um, that's one of the goals for the podcast. That's the reason why we started the show is be able to help put language to people's conversations and to be a conversation starter for people's lives. So um, this has been another episode. This has been another season of the So Let's Talk About It podcast. I am your co-host, Brittany. And I'm Malcolm. And you can follow me at Brittany Donnell. You can follow me at Malcolm underscore two underscores guest. And you can follow the show at So Let's Talk About It pod. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to rate, review, um, subscribe. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe, share, like, tell a friend. And we will see you guys next season. Peace. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.